Hi, this is Susan. This is Dan. And welcome to the Sparks and Muses podcast. It's been a while since we recorded. Yes. A really unexpected hiatus. Yes. Unplanned. Yes. Because things happened here. Life. Life. Life throws curveballs. Good curveballs, but curveballs nonetheless. I got a new job. Exactly. Um, which is great because new jobs are good jobs. Um, the problem though is, well, it's not a problem. I just have like, an, my brain is like all full and, and my schedule has changed and you know, it's just like getting used to all of that. So right. recording was, we kept talking about it. Right. It just didn't happen. So, uh, we're back anyway. And, uh, we've been doing things nonetheless, even with all the life changes, right? Exactly. You got spring break though. Uh, sort of, yes. What do you mean, sort of? You took a week off work. I, I did take a week off work. And you hung out with our child. Wasn't that dreamy and relaxing? I got a week off of work. <laughs> <laughs> you did fun stuff, don't you think? Yeah. Did you do anything creative with her over the week? I was at work, slaving away. My first week of work was spring break. It was kind of brutal. What was what would you do? Uh, we mostly just did kids' stuff. I did get to go flying with my father, which was really nice. He's a pilot. Um, private pilots or sport pilot and uh, so that was really nice um but otherwise it was mostly just running around doing various kids things so nothing creative no She's a crafty kid she is a crafty kid but she really just wanted to like you know go play with her friend here go ice skating with her friends there you know how dare she be social i know it's it's not a bad thing it's just it was a lot of like me being a chauffeur yeah so yeah she and or, eggs. or you know sitting around watching her play at the playground stuff like that you sound like a mom i am a mom in some ways <laughs> you sound like a stay-at-home mom <laughs> no it's a playground yeah. i'm a um, domestic engineer domestic engineer um so um so what are you what are you working on now cre- creatively <laughs> not as a dad Creatively? Well, as I talked about probably a couple episodes ago now that I wanted to take pictures of boats, I have gone out and done that a couple of times. It's been hard because um, the weather has not been very cooperative because it's still transitioning over to, you know, the sunny sort of spring, summertime when the light is a little nicer in the morning. It's been a lot of like cloudy overcast, which just makes for sort of at least not the kind of pictures that I'm looking for. It's not that you can't go out and take pictures when it's cloudy and overcast. It's just not the kind of pictures that I'm looking for. Well, Maryland's really changeable in the spring anyway. Yes, yes. So it could snow one day and be 75 degrees and sunny the next. You have no idea what's going to happen. Right, right. So between, you know, just having other things and then... But I have... Nonetheless, I have been out a couple of times and taken some photos and, and stuff like that. So that's pretty nice. So... That has been really good. It's been nice to just go out and do some photography. And then um, actually the other day, the father of a friend, of the father of one of the kids at our, our daughter's um, school, he found out that I am a photographer. And he he's the one who was like, if I pay you, will you teach me how to use my camera? <laughs> And I said yes, so we'll see if that that pans out. But so that teaching was teaching is fun. Yeah, no, I I think you know as a teacher you often learn from your students just as much as your students learn from you. So 
Well, and you know how to use a. You're technically trained, so. Yes. A lot yeah. of people are like, I take nice shots, and then they ask you for like technical questions. So it'd be nice to get paid for that. Yeah. No. So we'll we'll see what happens. Cool. We'll see if what actually pans out if he has the time because I know he's a pretty busy uh, dad too. So. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so how about you? Uh, I've got a lot going on actually, creatively speaking. Considering that I've switched jobs, I've sort of, I've tried to make space for it and hang in there. I wake up in the morning. And I find if I wake up really early in the morning, I can make space for it, which is cool. Right. So I think actively right now. Oh, I finished my my brother, my brother's big bad socks of doom. Right. They're done, handed over, and they fit. He seemed very happy about them too. Yes, and I'm so happy to be done with that project. Obligation knitting is no fun. Right. Although they're nice socks, there's nothing wrong with the project. I just he's got really big feet, and they took a really long time. Right. <laughs> Um, so they're done. So, but I'm on to, uh, I don't have any other cool, well, actually that's not true. So I finished a sweater that I started a year ago. Um, and I actually got to wear it a few times before the weather got nice. So, uh, too warm. So, uh, that was exciting. It was very cool. Right. Um, and then I've, I've got another pair of socks on the needles that are super, super easy, just easy, but relaxing in that way. Um, and then I've been weaving. I've been weaving a lot. Actually, I've got a project I really, really, really like, um, that, uh, really involves hand spun, some hand spun yarn that I made that I've been staring at for a year and thinking that it was weird colors and I didn't know what to do with it, but it, it's knitting. I mean, uh, weaving, it looks fantastic. So thank you for the loom. I'm using it. You're welcome. I love it. I wake up in the morning and I find, I find with weaving, what's funny is that I really need that space and time of being alone when I do it. Right. I need to concentrate. Right. So uh, if I can drag myself out of bed at 5 in the morning, or 5.30 in the morning before work, that, that seems to be the time that I that I can really engage with that, which I, I'm just really excited about it. It's, it's fun. Um, I think I've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, it just really sparks a lot of uh, creativity in other directions. So right. with spinning and knitting and fiber, and that's been really great. Um, oh, and I, I started gardening, sort of. We've got, we, you know, we live in an apartment, so we don't have room for, you know, actual, like a greenhouse. And we have like one windowsill of merit, but, um, but I've got, I've got some seeds starting and, uh, the ones that, that our daughter didn't knock over and, and create giant piles of dirt on the floor. We've, uh, they're still alive. They're green, they're growing. So the garden is starting. It's just, I think I read, I read in a Martha Stewart magazine, like a zillion trillion years ago. And I realized now I, I didn't really like Martha herself and most of the crafts were a little not my style but the gardening section was always great and now I know why it's because um Margaret Roach who is a garden writer was actually Martha Stewart's second in command and really took the helm of the the gardening aspects of Martha Stewart living mm-hmm. and uh, they're great and she's great and right. um I, that's always what I looked forward to so it's interesting that in her uh post Martha Stewart incarnation I actually listened to her podcast and it's really good gardening advice and things like that. And, um, and so, uh, she had, uh, anyway, back in the day, there was some Martha Stewart magazine, like it must've been like 15 years ago where she was interviewing some, um, I don't know, nurserymen who live out on Long Island or something. And, uh, one of them said, he said, um, you know, gardening is the slowest of the performing arts. Right. And I've always remembered that quote because I think it's true. I think it's as a gardener, it's really creative and it's technical and it's not haphazard, but at the same time, you, you don't have a lot of control. You only have so much control. You know, the thing is going to grow at the rate 
it's going to grow, you know, and the plant is going to thrive at the rate it's going to thrive. And, um, and all you're doing is providing the right conditions for it to do what it does, what it's programmed to do. It's not something I'm telling it to do. So, um, I think that's interesting. So it feels, it feels creative in the sense that I got to think about what I wanted to plant for this year and what we were going to do. But, you know, given that we live in an apartment and it's still, we're still not in the clear in terms of frost. So it's just seedlings on the windowsill. Right. But it's the beginning. It's the beginning of the season, which is very exciting. So um, that's pretty thrilling. And uh, I took a soap making class. Nice. In, up in, in New York. I went up for a, a girls weekend and we took a soap making class at a place called, I think it's called Make Studio. It's mm-hmm. in, the, I think, the Lower East Side. Right. And um, anyway, we learned how to make soap and, and the, all the, the, the mixer that you have to use to mix the soap mm-hmm. and make a, you know, blend the lye with the oils and the essential fragrances and things. It died halfway through our soap. We were the last people. We were the slowest. So um, I'm waiting to see. They need to cure for a month. So I'll, I'll have to let you know after they've cured for a month whether or not our soap worked. But it was fun. It was kind of cool. It's kind of a different felt very hipster. Right. I'm making soap. It's artisanal soap. Artisanal soap. It's boutique, free range, organic. Organic. <laughs> GMO free soap. Yeah. It's artisanal. <laughs> Aren't you excited? We're going to have artisanal soap. I can hardly wait. Handmade by your wife. I am the person you want to be on your team in the zombie apocalypse. That's true. I can knit things. I can make soap. I can cook. I can can. I can make pickles. Right. I'm a star. What can I say? In the zombie apocalypse, that is. When we get to that game. And you're modest, too. <laughs> only when zombies are involved. Only, only when zombies, zombies are involved. So anyway, so so I've been busy. I've just been starting a new job. So Yeah. Lots going on. But uh, the weaving, the weaving is what's really, really getting me right now. I'm super excited about it. Very cool. What have been some of your biggest challenges about, around being creative? Uh, time, but I feel like such a broken record with that. You know, yeah, time, family, stress, other stuff in my brain, other volunteer obligations that right. I have in addition to work and life. Right. Um, just brain clutter. Brain clutter. My challenge is brain clutter. How about you? For me, I would say, I mean, in addition to just the age-old thing of time, right, you know, fitting that in, which has been sort of extra difficult or more difficult than usual I think just because like you know I've had to take a week off but it was a week of like shepherding my daughter around and all that kind of stuff has is really just been like well what do you know I have the boat project that I want to do and and things like that and and I have been doing I've been continuing to do a little bit of the writing stuff but it's really just been like well what do I want to do you know sort of just making a decision about what do I want to like really throw myself into and and focus on I'm feeling sort of unfocused at the moment which is not necessarily a bad thing it's it's just challenging in terms of it's like well do I want to work on this today or that today and then sometimes you wind up just wasting half an hour trying to make a decision about whether you want to go out and do photography or whether you want to like write for half an hour when you only have an hour are you writing uh every once in a while just little bits here and there. Yeah. The same project? Yeah. Well, actually, there's two sort of writing projects. One that has just sort of popped up out of 
like me trying to warm up writing my other project. And so that just sort of seems to have sort of turned into something. What is sort that? Of, uh, just, no, it's just another writing project. Right, what's it about? Uh, um, you don't want to share? Yeah, no, I'm not going to share. It's another ugly baby. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, well, and that other one, it's like, you, also you're asking me what it's about, and I don't really fully know what it's about. It just sort of is like this sort of more sort of free-flowing thing. Like, I don't, it's like it kind of has a feel of a little bit of a Western, but like it could be in the future or on another planet or, you know, but I like, it's like, I don't know because I don't, I don't have it as mapped out in my mind as I do the, the other story. So it's a narrative battle. Yeah. It's just sort of, it's, it's, it's more of the, the muse part of things sort of moving along as opposed to, uh, JK Rowling who said, you know, Harry Potter just sort of dropped into her brain fully formed and she's just sort of getting it out of her head. Um, yeah, this one is more just like, I, I'm not sure where it's going or how, or even who the main character is at this point. Yeah. J.K. Rowling said that? What, that Harry Potter, the whole world of it popped into her head? Man, yeah. she's got a lot going on in her head. It's really cool. Yeah, she said the train broke down when she was taking the train somewhere, and, like, just the whole idea of this wizarding boy being in school and, like, just all the, basically that, that whole world just sort of popped in her head, and she didn't, you know, and the, the whole thing is that, like, she didn't have any pen or paper and I guess she had a napkin and she just started scribbling ideas with like her lipstick or her eyebrow pencil or something like oh that God. to like so that she didn't forget it I need a magic eyebrow pencil yeah or a stop train or something <laughs> I don't know yeah well that's cool yeah um well, okay, well that's fun I didn't know you were writing yeah every once in a while I write here and there that's cool and then photography you're just chilling yeah, it's more just I'm waiting for the weather. I mean, like I said, I've been out. So the, cha- you know, and that's another challenge is waiting for the weather to, to go in the direction that I want it to go for the kind of photos that I'm, that I have in mind that I want to take. Right. So, but it wasn't wasted the time that I went out because I did get to explore Annapolis and sort of from a visual perspective as opposed to like a, as a tourist or like, where do I want to go eat? You know, yeah. explored it more from a, like where are some good spots to like take photos and what may potentially have visually interesting stuff and right yeah, just kind of some of that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Um, are you reading anything interesting? What What's inspiring you right now? What's inspiring me right now? What's sparking you? Mm, I you know actually I really enjoyed being up flying with my dad. It just. Um, I sort of always enjoyed that, but I got sort of reminded of how much I enjoy it. And I think what I enjoy is just the, the wholly different perspective that you get when you're flying, like things that you have seen hundreds of times look completely different. Um, because it doesn't look like a map. It doesn't even look like, you know, the satellite view of Google maps. It looks, it looks somewhat three-dimensional, yet other things look really smushed. You can see a whole lot further. Um, you're traveling a whole lot faster, but it doesn't feel like you're traveling as fast. You know, it's more like you look down and you're like, oh, I, I know where that river is. And then you look down again like five minutes later and you're like, oh, I see where that building is because I kind of recognize that building. But there, that building is like a 25 miles from where the, you know, or 100 miles away from that river and stuff like that so it's just a it's just a complete shift in sort of your 
you know, what things are like sort of here on the ground and stuff like that. So I, I really like that sort of perspective of it. And Is it different than being in, say, you know, when we used to fly across country? And looking down from a it's, 747. It, it is very different from a, being in a commercial aircraft because, um, first of all, you're, you're lower to the ground, so you can um, you can make out more details. You know, it's not like you're just looking out the window and seeing clouds. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is is that um, since you're up sitting next to the pilot, you you can see out the front windshield. So you, you can see a whole lot more than just looking out that little teeny tiny window window that you get or if it's you know. like sitting at the front seat of the top deck of a double decker bus yeah i don't or like things look different than if you were just sitting in the back it it could be i have never sat on the top oh, you have? of a double decker bus we'll have so, to do that yeah so I, I couldn't tell you but we need a trip to london just so that you can sit. so i could sit on the top of a double decker bus <laughs> in front yeah, seat front seat um and then and then there's just the whole other sort of culture around flying that's really inspirational because actually you know there's only i think in the u.s there's only like six hundred and fifty thousand private pilots so it's it has much more of a um but it's also a very supportive community which is very interesting to me so something that's so regulated and and could be so um macho and ego driven is actually it's not like the nature of it is very um, like nobody criticizes your landing. Like it really is truly like any landing that you can walk away from is a good one. You know, although most people, their landings are perfectly fine. You know, people aren't out to criticize you. The people at the tower that are in charge of everybody's safety, like they're not critical. Like they're there to help, even though they're under a lot of stress to make sure that everybody stays safe. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how supportive the community is of each other and how much they want other people that are interested in it to, to become members of the community. So it's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Did you feel like it was creatively interesting or just interesting? I did. uh, Well, again, I, I think what was interesting about it when I'm speaking about it from a creativity standpoint is just that, that shift of perspective, which I think is part of, you know, like what artists do is that they're looking at the same things that everybody else is. They're just looking at it from a different point mm. of view. Right. So, um, I sort of liked flying cause it was like a physical manifestation of sort of what, you know, what, what you're doing creatively is trying to look at things that everybody else is looking at all the time, just looking at it from a different point of view. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. How about you? What's inspiring you? Um, I'm trying to think. So, so one of the things I really wanted to do this year was to try to create community since we moved and, and I don't really have people here. So I, I'm starting to do that. And some of that is in person, like meeting other people who do what I do. Right. Knitting or whatever and connecting with them mm-hmm. in person, which isn't all the time, but I'm, I found like another person who knits and she's a mom and our kids are the same age. So that, that's kind of, there's a lot of, Right. Connection. So that, that's great. We've, we've squeezed it in a few times and that's been fun. Um, I've been reaching out online instead of just being a voyeur on Instagram and being like, Ooh, that person's stuff is really nice. You know, like if I think it's beautiful, I actually have a comment that says, Hey, that's beautiful. Right. And sometimes they say, Hey, thank you. And there's actually been a, um, some back and forth with some right. of them. So I wouldn't say we're best friends, but there's a rapport Right. growing and, and that's kind of nice because I I honestly do think their stuff is really beautiful and I like their work and I, I do find it inspirational and that's exciting so so it's not the same as a physical community 
or somebody in person, but I feel like it's, it's there and it's, it's, it's not fake. Right. You know, these are real interactions. They're just on the, on Instagram or whatever. So that's been kind of fun. And, and I think there's something about just putting my stuff out there. Right. Whether it be on Instagram or Facebook and saying, this is what I'm working on. And I think it, it shifts for me what I'm working. It's, it's interesting. Like people think, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's like people think I'm a creative person now instead of me just doing my things on the side. Right. Um, and that doesn't actually change what I was doing, but there's something about being um, outspoken and really expressing that publicly mm-hmm. that shifts how how it how other people experience it. Right. So that's been interesting, and we'll see how that that yeah that's just interesting. That's an interesting process of, and, and I haven't historically shared my creative work publicly. So sharing it publicly is interesting, and it's interesting to see how it shifts how I think about it. Right. Um, cause it doesn't change anything I'm working on. It's more just, uh, just sort of telling people that I'm doing it and saying, Hey, this is something I'm working on and I think it's great. And then, and then some people, some of our friends or even not friends, complete strangers will weigh in on it. And I'm like, wow, this person is interested in what I'm doing. I, I don't know. It, there's something about being public about it. That's really interesting. Right. Um, and different for me because I've always been sort of quiet about it. Right. Um, I read a book called Daring Greatly mm-hmm. by Brene Brown. And it's, this is not a, a creativity book per se. It's a, a probably self-help genre would probably be what it is. It's probably a national New York bestseller. Like, I think it's one of those. Right. Um, and uh, it's the, it's, I'm trying to read it on my tiny Kindle. How the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, learn, parent, and read. Uh, no, lead, sorry. And uh, how we live, learn, parent, and lead. And um, it's a pretty powerful book about being vulnerable. And she's a PhD, so it's not just hippie to be woo-woo stuff. Like, it's, based, it's her research, mm-hmm. sort of written for a pop audience, about being vulnerable and, and being open to growth. Right. And... Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a good read. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. So I think in that sense of putting work out there, and I, I, I was putting my work out there, or my process, I should say. It's more my process. I was putting the process out there before I read the book, and I think that's part of the reason the book grabbed me when I saw it sort of cross my path, was that, that notion of when you put something out there, you know, you're, you're opening it up for criticism as well as praise. Right. And I think that I've historically not wanted to attract criticism so I would just keep things to myself. Or right. I figured nobody really cared anyway, so why bother sharing it? Right. Um, so I, I think it's been interesting just putting things out there and being being vulnerable. I mean, somebody could leave a really horrible comment right. on something that I, you know, that I, it's still, as we say, an ugly baby, like something I'm still working on. Right. But um, so far they haven't, but they could, but they haven't. And uh, I don't know, I think there's something kind of transformational in that. Although I don't have it all figured out yet. Still in process. Right. But, uh, but that was cool. And then um, I read that that's been something that's still percolating. It's still in my brain. Um, and then I've also, I read a book called Knitlandia, which is, it's knitter, knitter geek stuff. It's like, it's written by Clara Parks, who in the knitting world is actually kind of a luminary. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the editor of Knitter's Review and uh, a number of other works. And she's definitely a name. And she's written a number of, of really popular books, mm-hmm. reference books. Uh, the Knitter's Book of Yarn, The Knitter's Book of Wool, 
some other things. And uh, this book is called Knitlandia, and it's perfect for me because it's a, a travel memoir about knitting. So I didn't realize this before I read this book, is that she's actually an award-winning travel writer. Mm. And uh, she was out in Silicon Valley and working in tech and kind of living the life and then left it all and was like, I'm going to re- reinvent and make a, make a transition. And she lives in Maine with her wife and they, or she is, she's in the knitting world professionally right. and she writes. Right. So this is actually a, a travel, a travel memoir of her knitting experiences. And it's also expository about the knitting world and the community of knitters around the world. And, uh, it was incredibly entertaining and you know, I love travel. Right. So it's travel and knitting and it's well-written. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of places we have to go visit now. Okay. On vacation with all of our new vacation time and the new job and right. no time off and right. minimal resources. But we'll work it out. I've, I've got a list. Okay. It'll be good. So, yeah, so that's, that's inspiring, though, because it, it makes me think about places we'll go and things we'll do. And I'm just trying to make space and kind of keep plugging away at things. Very cool. So what are you going to work on next? I'm going to definitely keep working on the boat thing because that inspires me and the weather is starting to turn where we're getting more sunny days and and uh, the days are getting longer and all that kind of stuff so definitely gonna do that and then um, I don't know I've been thinking about either taking a woodworking class or possibly you know looking at um, I stumbled upon the other day a um, free online figure drawing class and I thought oh that might be interesting because you know that comes along with an already sort of built-in community and would be cheaper than having to take a class and I could sort of do it at my you know when it works for my schedule as opposed to trying to fit a class Mm -hmm. into my schedule that's sort of the difficulty of it you know because I have a job and and stuff so fitting a, a class into into that schedule is a little more difficult than doing something online and it's not just a course it, it, it appears i mean i have to do a little more research but it appears that like it's a community that comes with it too so it's not you know there to support you when you know you're bumping your head against the wall and all that kind of stuff so and i i'm sort of interested in figure drawing and all that kind of stuff and i may depending on as i read more about this course i i might uh, where's the woodworking class well, I'd have to, I don't know, I have to research around, but I think there might be one at the community college, so, or just, that that would be the thing, is I'd have to research and try and find a, a woodworking class that I could take. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, because I really am interested in furniture design, and so it would be... You used would, to get that woodworking magazine. And I used to get a woodworking magazine. Even though we didn't have any wood or tools. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> well, and the only reason I stopped getting the magazine was because, uh, you know, half of it is talking about how to work on a particular project, because they're like, here, you know, this, this, how to make a rocking this chair. month's thing is all about yeah. routers, and so here's a project with routers, and I was like, well, I don't have a router, so yeah. I, I was more interested in, like, well, how does this actually, like, work, and I realized a lot of woodworking from reading this magazine is you just go do it like you know once once you learn how not to cut off your finger with the tool like it's like just go just go do it it's not like it's sort of like any other art kind of thing like you just sort of do a lot of it and i think it's also because woodworking has been around for you know thousands of years it's it's still very much like a mentorship sort of model as opposed to 
other sort of crafts or or design sort of things that have a bit more just a different style of teaching to them. Yeah. I feel that way about weaving. I mean it's it's really such a it's an ancient technique. It is yeah. not there's nothing new about it. There's not a lot of innovation happening there, right. when it comes to weaving. I mean, I'm sure there are real weavers out there who can say, oh, no, 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 and they'll disagree with that. But it's really, it's fundamentally very similar to what they did thousands and thousands of years ago when they right. made thatched roofs or put palm fronds together and made roofing tiles out of it. You know, it's not, it's not radically different. It's more what you do with it, I think. Right. Um, like the loom itself is incredibly low tech. Yeah. Um, on a on a basic level. Yeah. Um, and the concepts are pretty low tech. So, um, I think there is that quality to it, and a lot of it is about teachers and mentorship and knowing your materials, which is a lot of what woodworking would be, right? Like what kind of wood? Yeah, and seeing you know, and that's the other thing is you can't get that from a magazine or from a, a you know, or even watching videos is like well. I kind of know the difference between oak and cherry and pine and poplar, but till somebody like you're there touching it and somebody kind of tells you until you're actually playing with the materials, it's it's not like there's not a lot of I guess what I'm saying is there's not a lot of woodworking theory. <laughs> right. right, you know, you, it's, it's not like architecture where like there are people that are you know mm. like I just you know all this theory about woodworking and all that it's it's like you either do woodworking or you don't yeah yeah so and that's kind of the nature of it how you for me to do woodworking i need to find a place to do woodworking because i don't have a garage where i can just you know start out by buying a table saw and a drill press and just start fiddling because i think that's how a lot of people actually do it is they just sort of over time they just start out with small projects and grow and grow and grow but I, i don't I don't have the space for that. Right. So that's sort of what I'm looking at. That's where a class would be cool. Yeah, exactly. Get some workshop space. Yeah, that's that's more what I'm looking for than than even particular techniques, although that would be helpful and very useful. It's it's almost like I just need a space to go and fiddle. Yeah. Because I think that's what a lot of woodworking is, is you fiddle around and you figure out like techniques that work for you to do a particular... You get to ask questions, though. Yeah, exactly. Instructor, who knows what they Yeah, doing. and they'll give you their opinion, but again, it's just their opinion, because as long as, like, you know, if you build a chair and it doesn't fall apart and it's pretty comfortable, like, then you've built a good chair, even if it's, like, not, quote-unquote, traditional. There is... There's no right way to build a chair other than it needs to be comfortable, not fall apart, and... I'm sure there's advice to get about the falling apart part. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. But I mean... Beyond that, like there's, you know, you could do mortise and tenon joints or you could just glue it or, you know, you could do both. It, right. It, like nobody's going to judge you. Right. You know. Well, that's cool. That'd be yeah. a great, that'd be a great direction. Yeah. Be very cool. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe, or maybe it'll be both. Maybe it'll be figure drawing and taking a woodworking class. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to keep working on my weaving. Um, this one project I'm really enjoying, kind of doing some new techniques and really just playing with, playing with color and playing with materials. Right. Uh, is really exciting for me. I'm enjoying that. And, uh, yeah. So I I think I'm going to keep going with that and just 
kind of keep cruising. I think my, my injury seems to be on the wane. I've been injured for the better part of a year, about nine months, and I haven't been spinning. So I'm, I'm hoping to start being able to spin yarn again soon. Right. Um, I've started a little bit, and I think that'd be really great because that's where I can really make new materials. That now I can weave. Even if I don't want to knit them, I can weave them. So that's exciting. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to that and then just waiting for my plants to grow like so I can do something with that. Nice. Cool. So um, thanks for hanging in there with us. And uh, we're sorry. I apologize for the hiatus. You know, I'll take personal responsibility having started a new job. But uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram as Susan Hartman as well as Twitter as Susan Hartman. Where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at dmhphoto and uh, at my website, dmhphoto.com. Thanks a lot, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Yeah, bye.